0: And tonight, this, this pivotal text that, that I just read gives us insight into not only the, the purpose uh, for Christ coming into this world, but it gives us insight into the inner turmoil that was within Christ leading up to his crucifixion. Throughout the entire book of John, we, we, we see Jesus doing great things, marvelous things, performing miracles, healing the sick. We even see him turning the tables over in the temple, a bold Christ, courageous Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Yet, when we, when we arrive at this verse, chapter 12, verse 27, this is where all the noise stops and the Messiah's voices, his inner turmoil at what is awaiting him at Calvary's Hill. In the first sentence of verse 27, he says, now is my soul troubled. And I want us to to focus on this emphasis that he made saying now. The previous, uh, just right before that, and and I think we we heard Dodds preach that last week. Last time that Jesus was troubled was when Lazarus died. And it says that he was troubled, but in this text, Christ is making an emphasis that this kind of trouble, this kind of inner turmoil is different. This is a pivotal point in the rising action of the gospel's plot line, which leads up to the climax of his death, burial, and ultimately his resurrection. If this was a movie, if this were to be put in a movie, this portion of scripture would, would beg for an impactful pause to focus in on this turmoil of of Christ, like a slow motion scene to emphasize the importance of this moment. He says, now is my soul troubled. But he also says, then in verse 31, now is the judgment of the world. And then he also says, now will the ruler of this world be cast out. So there are three nows that Christ emphasized in this passage. And this is what they're going to teach us. Because of our sin, Jesus experienced turmoil. Because of our sin, Jesus faced judgment. But despite our sin, Jesus is victorious. So let's look at these these nows. Let's look at the first now from verse 27. Now is my soul troubled. This is like the beginning of the road to the cross. And what is he troubled about? He's Troubled about nothing other than God's wrath. God the Father pouring out his wrath when Christ arrives to that place on Calvary's hill. And he pours his wrath out on Christ for sinners like you and me on our behalf. And this, this trouble, this turmoil, this dread of God's wrath, we see it culminating in Christ at the Garden of Gethsemane. When he sweats drops of blood and he cries out to the Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And this inner turmoil is finally realized on the cross when Christ cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the judgment of the world, the judgment for sin on behalf of sinners like you and like me, falling on Christ, at the cross. And with that, we jump to the second now from verse 31. He says, now is the judgment of the world. And the judgment of all those in the world who trust in Christ fell upon Christ. And he absorbed that tidal wave of God's fierce and just wrath due to us. Christ absorbs that wrath. So that's the judgment That he talks about, but he also talks about a judgment in the sense that that all men now will be judged by this cross, whether you reject the free grace offered through the cross or whether you accept it. And it also talks about a judgment of condemnation against the forces of darkness, the ruler of this world, the third now, found in the same verse 31. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And Christ crushes the serpent's head, as we know. And so in this moment, Christ says that the, the, that the ruler of this world will be cast out, looking forward to the cross when he crushes the serpent's head, which is Satan. And since Satan and death will no longer have any kind of dominion, over what belongs to God the Father and what he has given to his Son. And Jesus the Son here speaks of when he will secure this redemption and cast out the ruler of the world for good. So, because of our sin, Jesus experienced turmoil, the worst kind of turmoil, which is God's wrath for our sin. And Jesus had to face this judgment, being crushed under this wrath that we rightly deserve. But despite our sin, Jesus is victorious over sin, Satan, and death. And this being accomplished ultimately through his resurrection. And this victory accomplished is what we look forward to on Easter. Christ proclaims, we find in in verse 32, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And his hearers knew he was mentioning the kind of death he would face. So they ask, right? They, they respond, saying that they've heard that the Son of Man remains forever, and they were confused, wondering why he must be lifted up on that cross. And beginning in verse 35, chapter 12, verse 35, there's a shift in Jesus' teaching to his disciples. Really, up until his death on the cross, up until he gets arrested, there's a shift. He responds in this verse 35 by telling them to walk in the light while the light is among them, speaking of himself, of course. And after this portion of scripture in John's gospel, there's a sense of urgency in Christ. And he repeatedly informs them in the coming chapters of the fact that he will leave and go back to be with his father. But he assures them, he continues to remind them, do not let your hearts be troubled. In John fourteen twenty seven, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He spoke peace over his disciples, brothers and sisters, knowing that it was at the expense of his loss of peace. The sin of our soul was the trouble of Christ's soul. When he undertook to redeem and save us and to make his soul an offering for our sin. And so in this season of Lent, as we self-examine our hearts and seek God in repentance through prayer, through meditation of His Word and the study of His Word, the Word assures us that we will find more darkness in our hearts than we would like to admit. But this only means that the light of Christ in his resurrection will shine that much brighter on Easter. The uh, the deeper we dig into our hearts, the darker it gets. And in the midst of the conviction and the weight of our sin, the trouble in our souls we experience through this conviction is a redemptive kind of trouble means we can take heart in knowing that because Jesus took upon himself the greatest trouble, the greatest turmoil, being crushed under the weight of God's just wrath on our behalf, we have been given the boldness through faith in Christ to access the throne of grace where we find a merciful and just high priest. Let me read these scriptures over you, Hebrews 4, 14-16. In 1 John 1, nine. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And 1 John 1.9 says that we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Brothers and sisters, our trouble was laid on Christ so that he could offer us peace. The judgment due to us fell upon him at the cross and our darkness was absorbed by him at the cross. Snuffing his light out while he hung there. So that we would never experience utter darkness, but rather be called sons of light, as he does in this passage. And just like there's a pause in this text, just like there's a there's a shift here, where Christ says, Now is my soul troubled. Lent calls us to take a pause, to slow down, to examine our hearts. And the darkness left within it, and respond in supplication and repentance, knowing that in Christ we find peace. In Christ we find a throne of grace, a merciful high priest. Let us pray. Father, give us a deeper repentance, horror of sin, a dread of its approach. Lord, help us to flee sin and jealousy, to resolve that our hearts will be yours alone. Give us a deeper trust that we would lose ourselves to find you. Give us a deeper knowledge of yourself as Savior, Master, Lord, and King. Give us a deeper power in private prayer, more sweetness In your word, a more steadfast grip on its truth. Give us deeper holiness in speech, thought, action, and let us not seek moral virtue apart from you. Plow deep into us individually, Lord, and as a church family, that our being may be a tilled field, the roots of grace spreading far and wide until you alone are seen in us. All we are is grace. Dig deep into us and then fill us to overflowing with living water on Easter. In the name of your Son, Father, through the Holy Spirit, we pray this. Amen.